This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Canton and Simu Show. I'm joined, of course, by Harry Simu. How are you doing? You good? You well? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, struggling with this hay fever, I've got to be honest. So uh, mm. as a disclaimer, the start of the show, if there's any sneezing, sniffling or uh, blowing of the nose, then uh, I'd be apologise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to suffer it really badly. And then I started working from home and I no longer go outside. So uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't have to worry about it as much anymore. But uh yeah, it's uh, it's getting to that time of year, isn't it, where we're, uh, it's it's going to hit us. It's going to hit us hard for most of us that do end up suffering from it. But we wish you well, I'm sure. As does the chat box. Make sure if you aren't already subscribed to the Chronicles of Aguna, the link is in the description. We try to do these shows uh, once a week if we're you know if the busyness of our lives doesn't take over. So the next show will of course be on Harry's channel. So make sure you're subscribed over there to get the next episode. Today's show um, is kind of about the fact and fiction of the trans window the rumors the news that drops every single day that myself and harry cover of course we talk about stories and rumors and things but we don't really go into the finer details of how we specifically kind of ourselves differentiate between what we think is true and not obviously we comment on stories that we think might be but we don't go into the finer details of how we kind of get to that you know we don't talk about the methodology behind seeking out stories that have some truth to them and the ones that are just trying to get you to to have a little bit of a read so harry what do you first of all make of this summer so far because it's only the you know the second day officially of the transfer window being open. We've been linked with a multitude of players, and uh, Arsenal fans are already losing their minds. So, uh, <laughs> what have you made of it so far? Yeah, I think we're still at the really, really early stages of this summer window, and so there is a no need to panic, and b, you know, we hear that some things are in the pipeline. We hear that people have been mm. identified as targets. The reality, though, is that it's very rare that you get deals done this early that have, you know, multiple club involvement. You've heard of a few free transfers Mm -hmm. uh, being wrapped up. You've heard of contract extensions, things like that. But for the most part, it's mainly people that are unattached or whose contracts are expiring somewhere. And and that makes it a much easier negotiation at this, at this point, I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. I'm not concerned. Uh, about the transfer window just yet. Like every Arsenal fan, I'd love to see us get our business wrapped up early, get those players on board ahead of pre-season, take them on the pre-season tour, get them embedded in the group, all of that stuff. We'd all love to see that. But it's just not the way things work. You know, it's not a coincidence that you see uh, a large percentage of of transfer deals, particularly in the January window, done at the back end of it. And when I say back end, I mean last week, last few days. Mm. Um, because... People ultimately, when they're in a position of negotiation, they don't want to give any ground up. They don't want to accept a lower fee. Equally, the buying club doesn't want to pay the top whack. And you will push it and push it and push it and try it for as long as you can 
to get the best deal. And that time constraint eventually, normally, if it's a deal you really want to get done, plays a part and sees you compromise or sees both sides compromise. That's just the way it works. So I've got to be honest, and people aren't going to want to hear this. I don't think Arsenal will conclude all of their business by the start of the new season. I really don't. Which um, ones do you think we will get done out of interest? Well, based on the ones we're hearing at the moment, I think the one that feels the closest is Tielemans. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm yeah. just going by what we're reading, what we're hearing. That feels like a doable deal because of the position that Leicester are in with regards to his contract situation. He hasn't got uh, more than a year left on his contract. And for Leicester, it's kind of now or never with regards to getting a decent fee in for him. I yeah. think based on what we're hearing, he's quite up for the idea of joining Arsenal, which helps because when the player is pushing it, uh, that helps. And it doesn't seem like there are many other clubs uh, really in the race for Tielemans at the moment. So again, it feels like everything's quite smooth in terms of how this one's going to play out. But other than that, I still think there's a long way to go with Jesus if that deal is going to get done. Um, You know, have Arsenal met Manchester City's asking price? Do we even know what Manchester City's asking price actually is? Um, I've spoken to a couple of people who are um, in the whole transfer game, Um, you know, colleagues of mine who really do follow up on stories really closely, sort of press contacts. And one of them said to me last week that Manchester City don't even want to let Jesus go, really. Yeah, So they're going to try and, and keep hold of him first. That might take time. There might be back and forth between Jesus and City for a while before it gets to the point where they'll entertain an offer. So, there's just so much that still needs to be done and there's so much time remaining in this window. It's it's hard not to get sucked in, but I think at this point you've got to be, you've got to be quite careful. Yeah. I think, I, I think with Jesus and Tillemans, I'm looking at those two as obviously the priority signings that Arteta and Edu and the club want to do this summer. They really should be targeting to complete those by the absolute latest the American tour, to be honest, you know, with the amount of time that's left between that tour, we've got a month between now and then. Tillemans, do you think you can get done once the international break is over? You pay the money that Leicester want, you get the guy in. I know there's discussions, but it, it, the talks between Arsenal and Tillemans have gone on and his representatives have gone on for some time, as have Jesus. It is about the, the club side of things where it's, it gets tricky and the lengthening of this, of course. But with them playing both in the international scene at the moment, that has extended why we've not seen the movement as of yet. I think once this break ends, you'll start to see obviously the the movement behind these deals accelerate significantly. Do you think that before we get into some of the specific stories, the business of the likes of Aston Villa, uh, Newcastle, we know have signed Target and are close to Botman supposedly, Manchester City have already got Haaland done, Liverpool look now very close to signing Darwin Nunez. You see... Um, Spurs getting, you know, Perisic done and they're looking like that Spence and Richarlison look realistic for them as well. Do you think that those deals and those moves are what creates a little bit of unrest amongst the Arsenal fans? I think I'm being polite using that word, to be honest. Yes, to a degree. I think people look at other clubs and think, you know, it's a no-brainer, you know, they're doing it, so why can't we do it? And, And you always get that, don't you? I think for me, for example, the the Matt Target signing that Newcastle have made. I mean, he mm-hmm. was already on loan there. <laughs> and there was already an idea that that was going to turn into a permanent transfer. So what I'm trying to say is that the bridge that you're having to build in that negotiation is far shorter than starting from fresh. And also, what do you do? Do you only go for players that you think there'll be no complications in the negotiations mm-hmm. for? Because in that case, you're limited and then you might not be signing the right players. It's clear to me that, you know, Arsenal are in a position today where they need to continue making significant signings for us to continue progressing. But also finances are an issue at this football club. <laughs> uh, let's make no mistake about that. You know, you look at the recent financial results, the last couple, they've been abysmal. So there's there was going to come a point where the Cronkies were going to be the Cronkies. And that means that they're going to be careful. You know, the last couple of windows, not January, but in terms of the summers, I think mm. they've spent quite big knowing that the, the financial state of the club was as it was. But at some point, there was going to come a point where they were going to go, hold on a minute, let's put the brakes on a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that they're doing that and that they're not going to sign. But what I am saying is that they're going to be careful not to throw money around frivolously on players that aren't the players 
that have been identified and have been earmarked as the targets. So, you know, if it takes until the end of July to get the right players, I'd rather that than we just panic and be all mm. slapdash and bring in people that aren't the right people. It's just part and parcel of the nature. And when a club like Arsenal comes knocking, the price does go up, unfortunately. And, you know, that that's the reality of it. So I think when you look at other clubs, you can get sucked into feeling this way and, and you can get sucked into to panicking. But I mean, I don't know about you, but personally, as I say, I'm not at that point yet. I, I really am not. And um, I've, you know, I've, I've obviously been making content since the season ended and stuff. And, mm. you know, the last few days I've, I've looked around at some of the stories and I've gone, I, I don't know about this. I don't yeah. know if this is worth me jumping on and doing a show about. Mm-hmm. Um so, I don't want to. I am. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I always say this to you, Tom. You're, you're an absolute <laughs> saint because I can barely open my eyes at 8 a.m. these days, let alone uh, jump on and do a show. But I, I just look at some of them now and I've kind of not lost my enthusiasm for what I do, but I'm at a point where I'm kind of like enjoying the downtime a little bit. Mm. And I'll only jump on and do one if I think that there might be something in this. And the last few days, I haven't felt that way. I've got to be. I've got to be honest. I mean, what about you? Are, yeah. are you panicking? Are you? You no. know, the, the nature of the show that you do is different. It's a news show, right? So you, yeah, yeah. you do it. I consistently. cover it all. Yeah. Exactly, you cover it all. But you must, uh, you must look at some of those stories and think, meh, at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, the chat box will tell you. Like when we do the shows, like if if we talk about a link, I sit here and I critique it, and I'll say, you know, I I don't see that happening. You know, the Serge Gnabry one, for instance. You know, the entire time we ever talked about Serge Gnabry on the eight AM show, I was consistently saying I would be beyond shocked if Arsenal got Serge Gnabry in this summer. It just isn't. It just isn't realistic. You know, the money that he wants, the the drop he'd have to take to go down to to Arsenal from Bayern, you know, and it is a big drop, especially with that Champions League football. Um, there are some outlets that I specifically try and avoid, like Fihajes is, you know, one of those. <laughs> we know how Fihajes. Um, and some of the Italian ones as well are... Yeah, Obviously they're laughable. The I mean, let's let's out. talk about that because you know, um, one of the best ways I find to identify when I see you know a link that I think is probably you know there's there's barely any truth to this is one when an outlet comes from another country. Let's say Country X. You know, this this outlet is based in Country X. They're talking about a player that plays in Country Y. Uh, and moving to a club that's in country Z, you know, completely unconnected. And what you often see is I see some Portuguese and Italian ones and Spanish ones in particular, I won't name names, but, you know, come out and say that, you know, this Premier League player is moving to another Premier League club. And you're like, how you like, and they're not based of like the nationality of that player either. So it's not like the contacts are there. It's just spontaneous at this point, you know, and it's that spontaneity that I think obviously drives other than outlets that are maybe got a little bit more credibility about and to sometimes pick up those stories, um, which obviously makes the situation maybe a little bit worse. But I think that for me, when I look at a story, it's always important when you read it through. If it's obviously not a story that's referencing another outlet, because, you know, part of my job, and I'm sure part of your job when you've done writing before, you know, is just reporting news, you know, writing up a story, crediting the source of where it comes from, giving an opinion on that potential story, and then moving on to the next one. It's part and parcel of what part of our jobs are at times. And it is on our channels. You know, all we do is we talk about links to other players that have come from somewhere, the information has come from somewhere. And it's only very rare that we ourselves get little tidbits of information that we know are genuine that come from good sources that aren't yet reported yet. And we sometimes discuss them, sometimes we don't, because, you know, it's... You don't want to get into that field of wanting to look at like an ITK, like, yeah. you know, things that you hear sometimes you're not going to discuss because football changes so often. If you put yourself out there in the parapet and say, this is going to happen, you know, it's and I remember and the chat books will know this and you may have even seen it before. But I did a piece uh, for Football London with Bailey uh, about Nicholas Pepe back in November, October, November time. Yeah, yeah. And we did a piece talking about how much we'd sell Nicholas Pepe for. And I said I'd sell him for 25 million pounds. To which the Sun and the Mail both picked up that story and said Arsenal willing to sell Pepe for 25 million pounds when it was an opinion piece about how much we would sell him for. Literally said opinion at the top of it as well. Yeah, it says in big black writing opinion. (laughs) It's like and it's crazy. So for me, when I'm looking at stories, just to go back to the original point. 
the key things I look for is one is the source talking about a player that is from that nation or playing in that league. Usually that's a, a good start. Two, is there any specific figures mentioned? When there's specific figures mentioned in deals that aren't talked about anywhere else that, or that aren't, say, you know, from transfer marks values or elsewhere, you know, that's often a good sign when they, they're going out there and they're putting their faith in information that they know about a figure. And the last one is new information, you know. And yeah. this is, I think, where it leads into that Daily Mail story from this morning about um, Arteta being frustrated. I mean, the first line, I won't show it up on the screen because I don't particularly want to, um, but the first line of the article is, Mikel Arteta is growing frustrated by Arsenal's indecision in the transfer market. And my question would be, for, you know, from knowing that sometimes information comes out, you never hear that type of information from Arsenal. You know, that it's you wouldn't hear the information of Arteta's getting frustrated. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just wouldn't be something yeah, that come th out. This is a guy who's never shown any inkling of frustration towards the club. Um, yeah, at times, he's you know, the way he's spoken about his team's performances, you can feel that frustration from Mikel Arteta coming across. But he's always very quick to, even without being prompted, say how much he's being supported by the club and say how much they're backing him and how ambitious they are and all of this. So you're right. There isn't any actual information in there. And so I agree with you. The key thing is actually read the story because a lot of the time the headline does not um, mirror what the actual content of the piece is. So that's really important. Uh, the source is really important as well. But I think for me, one of the things I, I try and use is, is my gut, you know, my gut instinct. Like, do I think this is realistic? Like, if Arsenal are being linked with a player in a position that I don't personally think that we have a need for, I'm automatically wary of that story. Now, I, I'll be wrong sometimes, of course, um, you know, but I always think your gut instinct as well on a story is quite is quite a powerful thing. And particularly when you live and breathe it every day. Like we read a lot of shit stories and we read a lot of good stuff. And, mm. you know, it's part and parcel of our job. Like, I don't know about you, but the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is log online and, and scour the internet for, for things that are going to make up my day, basically. And then yeah. you have to react to other stuff that comes in the process. So I think your gut is, is a really powerful tool here and something that you've got to use. And, you know, you can never be a hundred percent, but, I think most of the time, if you follow your gut and those other things that you've mentioned, you'll you'll be somewhere along the right path. And and you've got to be wary of these people that, and there are a lot of them out there. I know some of them, not going to name names, but I know some of them that have this burning want or need to be an ITK. Like why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, why? Like what? What do you stand to gain from that? Actually, if you go out on a limb on something big that you don't know to be true and you get it wrong. You can actually do yourself a lot more damage. I prefer, mm -hmm. like you, to speak about stories from an opinion point of view, report it based on how it's being reported, by whom it's being reported. I mean, I once, twice in my entire three years of doing this mm -hmm. as a full-time job, have dropped something that I believed was fresh information. One was the score from a behind-closed-doors friendly. In I the remember scorers. your tweet. Yeah, I remember that. Because Was it the Brentford game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'd I'd been tipped off by somebody that was involved in the game. Yeah. So I knew it was true. And the other time was was somebody, um, the same person told me that Arsenal had asked about Alexander Isak. Um, you know, when that, that transfer was being talked about, 90 million euro release clause, whatever it was. Not that mm -hmm. Arsenal had made a bid or triggered it or anything like that, but that Arsenal had, had sort of tested the water to see if anything could be done at a lower price. And, and that turned into nothing. So I don't do it all the time. You don't do it all the time because we don't pretend to be linked in the way some yeah. people do. And, and that people pretending it's dangerous. It really is. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mainly use the, the Discord server of what we have on the channel uh, for the members. Sometimes I'll just, I'll mention little things in there. I remember in January when Arsenal finally got through to to the Vlaovic situation where they had the opportunity to kind of talk to the player and his representatives the first time. And I remember dropping that into the Discord server, like, you know, if it's if, if Arsenal have a chance, it's going to be now. And ultimately, we know that Juventus came in and he always wanted Juventus and it didn't matter what Arsenal were going to offer Fiorentina. You know, it, it didn't matter because they were willing to accept, you know, Arsenal's offer. They were willing to sell him, as we know, because he left. Um, 
but he wanted Juve. So in the end, it didn't matter. And that's why there's no point me putting a tweet out going, Arsenal have, you know, I've entered the stage of talks with the player and his reps because, you know, it's at this stage, it was, it was, it would be pointless putting that out because there was at that time no expectation that he was going to change his mind on, on move on, on choosing Arsenal over Juventus. And that's, it is, you know, that's what that's yeah. what happens though. What you've just explained is is the the key example of mm. we knew that Fiorentina were willing to sell because he was going to Juventus, right? Yeah. And people, what they'll do is they'll they'll look at that and they'll go, okay, we know Fiorentina are willing to sell. We know Arsenal have, or we think Arsenal have some sort of interest. If I put out a story that says personal terms of agreed, I might be yeah. right, mm. you know. And I'm taking two bits of information and I'm trying to create a third out of it that I don't know. Is, and that's what people do. They, they try and jump the gun because mm -hmm. they want to be first. There's this need to yeah. be first, but in doing that, you're not doing it from any place of knowledge. You're doing it because you want to get ahead of the curve. And that is what you have to be so careful of mm. when sort of assessing stories, people that are trying to do exactly that jump ahead of the curve. I think it as well, like, especially with Arsenal, we know that there are a collection of very well-informed and very good journalists in the world of Arsenal. And that's why whenever we talk on this platform, we say about, you know, whose stories are coming up. Is it coming from David Ornstein? Is it coming from Chris Wheatley? Is it coming from Charles Watts? You know, people that have genuine contacts. And there are more, you know, I could go for a list, James Benj and the rest, you know, there are more. And I, me not naming people, obviously, puts yourself in a position where you're like, who have I forgotten now? But you know exactly who I'm talking about when it comes yeah. to these names. James McNicholas, of course, as well. Amy Lawrence, you know, the Athletic have got some very, very well-connected people, for instance. So from a perspective, when you see kind of a new person on the scene, of which, you know, I consider both of us, you know, we're still very early in our infancy of getting into kind of the world of journalism and stuff. You know, it's unrealistic that in 2022, you're ever going to be able to build up something as similar to a, a list of networking to the, to the broad extent of, you know, these leading figures in the industry, you know, and to be honest, it gets to a point where I already know that's going to be the case. And so I, and I assume, and I don't want to speak for you, so feel free to jump in, but branch out in a way where your discussion, your opinion, your debate pieces, your, you know, your takes on certain links, you know, you're not reporting the link. You're giving an opinion on what you think of the, what exactly. the move would be about what the player is like, about whether they would suit the, the Arsenal, about what it means for this player and that player. You can speculate upon if this player moves to this place, what does that does that free up money for one club to move for someone else? Does it free up the chance to move for a different player in that team? And that's the the kind of discussion that I like going on about. That's why, you know, there's so much opinion about what I write and what I produce, because that's that's what I know I can lean on. I can lean on my own opinion and knowledge to talk about, but I'm not going to sit here and BS the chat box and say, oh, yeah, Jesus, he's coming. Like he's def definitely coming. That's why whenever we talk about it, I'm like, I'm like eight out of 10 sure. I feel like this has got the makings of a deal that could happen. But I'm never going to say, oh, yeah, he's coming, you know, because it's football yeah. and things change so quickly and things will move around so fast. Let, let's bring up some names. I mentioned Serge Gnabry a second ago. You yeah. know, Serge Gnabry obviously is a, is a bit of a touch paper name, isn't he, amongst the Arsenal community because of the, the snalgic links with Arsenal, all of that. So when that story came up, and I've written pieces about this as well because, you know, it's just part and parcel of your job. Like when this news comes forward, you've got to write some discussion pieces about it. You know, the fact that Real Madrid pulled out and some very, you know, in the know, genuinely in the know people in Spain were reporting that Real Madrid didn't have any interest in, you know, in a winger this summer, despite missing out on Mbappe. So obviously you wrote a piece about that. And the fact that that obviously if Arsenal ended up going for him, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about Real Madrid. But in the same sense that I, I just don't see that as realistic. You know what I mean? I completely agree with you. Um, you know, it was one of those where when the name got mentioned, we all know that he's gone on and, and become a, a really, really good player. It's as simple as that. And so there is this natural sort of lean towards somebody like Serge Gnabry because of the the way he's developed and the way he's progressed in his career, but also because of that connection to Arsenal. And it felt like a little bit of unfinished business, when, especially when he left and the way he left and the way he went out on that loan to to West Brom and that didn't really work. And then he was allowed to leave and sort of picked up a couple of, went to a couple of clubs in Germany before he ended up at Bayern Munich. Mm. And you look at it and you feel like, yeah, you know, maybe we made a mistake there. And so people, um, you know, do get, do get sucked into that. But as you say, is it realistic? 
I, I don't think that it ever really was. I mean, it's one that I would have liked to have seen Arsenal move for. But how confident was I that it was going to happen? Not very. And um, and and that's the reality of it. And again, it's about gut. For me, it's gut feeling on this one. Because I do think that Arsenal, particularly if Nicolas Pepe moves on, probably mm. do need to look at a winger. Yeah. But, you know, my gut tells me that we're on this different journey you know we're looking to bring in players of a certain age we were looking to bring in players of a certain age profile now we're being or we were steered in the direction of maybe now we're going to be looking for the finished articles uh maybe less players but players of a higher caliber Serge Gnabry ticks that box but mm. would would Arsenal go back in for him and particularly given what it's likely to cost I, I don't think so I just my gut tells me that it's it's not really a go up yeah, neither do I. I. I just don't think that there's a realistic from the player side of things that suggests this would be doable. You know, this is all, this has all basically been spawned from the trans, uh, the the contract talks not being successful. You know, yeah. as soon as a player has issues with their contract talks, of course that's going to start um, spawning the idea that that he could leave or could move somewhere. And because, of course, there's that link with Arsenal, naturally that was always going to come forwards. But have always said that it was it was never a realistic one. Um, I've neglected a super chat. Uh, thank you to the FTL Guna Craig, who I know sends myself and Harry plenty of fantastic stuff on social media. I still need to get my hold of um, get hold of uh, a scarf that I assume will be coming my way very very soon. Um, you guys should handle all of the transfer. We have a solid squad at TC and Harry ran the show. I mean, I love your faith in us, uh, Craig. <laughs> I really do. Uh, but I think you're probably probably putting too much faith in us. Yeah, to get it I'd, done. I'd rather just sit in front of a camera and moan about it to be honest and be <laughs> resp- actually responsible <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and i love this response from our hood who says to the super chat to be fair tom wants us to sign vedcourst in january <laughs> i love that you know to be fair on a six-month loan he wouldn't have been and i actually wrote about that this morning because um burnley are willing to let him leave on loan and i wrote a piece today about you know huh, hmm, be interesting if maybe a plan b option on loan for next season about vedcourst i would obviously i'd rather see loads come in but on deadline day, if we need a plan B, Valvegost, <laughs> he's there. He's, you heard he's it there. here first. Absolutely. Um, yeah, let's let's move on. I, I actually want to ask you about a couple of other players before I come on to uh, a, a two-word phrase that gets thrown about a lot. You've probably seen the Jared Bowen story that came out today from the Beautiful Game podcast. Now, the Beautiful Game podcast, for those that don't know, are a very well-connected group of guys. You know, they get some fantastic interviews um, with a lot of uh, London-based players, um, specifically. And they, the Eddie and Ketia interview in particular was, was fantastic. I believe there's a Brook Norton Cuffey one probably coming out at some point, if not already. I'm sure that there was a Brook Norton Cuffey link I saw, possibly. Um, they've said that Arsenal are in contact with Jared Bowen's representatives. Um, now, obviously, this is the type of one of those stories which is um, you can absolutely see credibility in it because one of where it obviously comes from, a, a place that we know has got very good links. Uh, and the other is that obviously it's not it's not overly committal. You know, it's, it, you know, contact with, with representatives is like the literal first step other than putting them on your shortlist as a club. You know, the next step is just reaching out to representatives. It's not a big, big step. And Arsenal will have reached out, as we know, to, you know, tens of, of agents of different players, loads of different players to see kind of where the expectations are, whether or not that player be open to a move, what their expectation of a wage would be. Are they looking to move? Would they be interested in one? You know, so that's the type of story that I can see some legitimacy in. However, I will ask you the question on top of that is that I don't see it being one that West Ham would allow to leave unless it's for a ridiculous fee. Yeah, I, I don't think this is this is true. Um, I don't, I, as you said, sometimes the fact that it's so non-committal puts me off it. Okay, um, and I, and I'm not saying that the guys have have made it up because you know I've I've actually spoken with those guys before and they're really good guys and I'm not for a second saying that you know they're they're sitting there thinking up lies to. Well, to when you say and, it's not true, do you yeah. mean that as in a chance of it happening or that Arsenal have actually reached out? To the reps, I don't think it's got a chance of happening. First and yeah. foremost, um, and second of all, I don't think that Arsenal. I think when you think about what Arsenal's priorities are this summer, I don't think a winger is in the top three. And when you think, and when you think about what it's going to cost to get Jared Bowen out of West Ham, mm. 
I, I think it, it doesn't make sense to me for that to be something that they're considering. So I, I don't really think that this is a, a thing. Um, again, that's just my opinion. It's just my yeah. view. Um, I think that we see it a lot now. We see things like this coming out, which can be used as negotiation tools for representatives. I mean, I don't know what Jared Bowen's contract situation is. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head how long he's got left. But I'd imagine that after the, the season he had last time out, there's a good chance that his representatives will be looking three years. to three years. But looking at the season he's just had, mm. do you think there'll be jostling want to renew for, it. Yeah. for a, a renewal, but also a, a big bump in pay? Mm -hmm. So you have this interest from Arsenal and various other clubs that puts mm. you in a better negotiating position. So again, I'm not saying that they've made it up because no, I, no. Always, I always say this about journalists and I always say this about people that do what we do. You're only as good as the information you get. And sometimes you will get bad information and yeah, that cannot be helped. True. And if you, if you're really skeptical and you never go out on a limb to even be non-committal in the way that they've been mm. you'll never do anything you'll never say anything you'll never talk about anything you'll just be sitting there in silence from fear of mm -hmm. of where it might take you yeah. so part of journalism is risk absolutely 100 yeah, yeah. and um and so you know if there is rumors of this doing the rounds for me it feels like arsenal's name is being used again in what is eventually going to turn into a, a contract negotiation Mm. Yeah, I mean, do, I, you, I think do you think it's right. possible? I I wouldn't have even. I, I, it wouldn't surprise that. me if Arsenal had reached out to representatives or had spoken with the representatives because I actually I, I disagree with you slightly. I actually think a wide forwards is in the top three. Um, I think striker, central midfield, and I think actually a wide forward is because Nicolas Pepe's future is so uncertain and. And we don't know. Well, we do know that obviously he's looking to move on. Um, you know, a friend of a friend of mine uh, tweeted yesterday um, that he's already packed up um, his house and his cars have gone. And you know, the person that tweeted that um, is, you know, he's said stuff in the past that has been so spot on. He's probably he's, just, he's probably yeah. in the petrol prices and thought he needs to get rid of those cars. <laughs> oh yeah, mental right now. Ridiculous. But yeah, you would go down to one. It's funny because I've literally just upscaled my car from a little hatchback to a blooming four by four. So yeah, not the best time to have done that. But uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but in regards to Tom, God, sorry, I was just going to say I I do agree with you that if Nicolas Pepe goes the wide forward position, then becomes one of those top three. But I'm not sure that we're going to be able to get what the club deem worthwhile for him. And that's my that's my worry. So I think that mm -hmm. that signing, that potential position, I think, is my opinion, is that it's dependent on what we can do without going, as opposed to some of the others where I think there are priorities regardless. Mm -hmm. um, Rafinha was linked. Sam Dean, I believe the Telegraph reported this story. Um, obviously, this move to Barcelona from other reports looks to have effectively broken down um, at this stage. What do you make? What's your opinion on on this link and how real it might be? I think this has got a better chance of being real. Mm -hmm. um, also had a very good season last season and a very sort of I'm not going to say underperforming Leeds team, but a Leeds team that struggled, um, mm. you know, throughout the the duration of the season. Clearly, a, a very talented boy. And if you think back, I think we were linked with Rafinha in the past as well. Um, so this is not a completely new story. If if I remember correctly, there were some links with Arsenal and Rafinha prior to him joining Leeds. Yeah. So that makes me feel like there right? might be there might be more to that. Mm. Leeds have been, um, you know, they've they've survived, but by the skin of their teeth. And they'll, you know, Rafinha will probably look at the situation and think, I'm worthy of of playing at a higher level. And so I think he will be pu pushing for a move more so than Jared Bowen will. So that's another reason why I think this is a more realistic one. And um, and I think that unlike uh, West Ham United, Leeds could do with some cash. And, um, and and when you take all those factors into account, I think this is one that's more more credible at this stage. But just just a view and an opinion. I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's more realistic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that... Rafinha is a player that, as we know, the player the club have got a long term interest. As as you mentioned, you know, having that link back to when he was at Rennes, 
Uh, they wasn't willing to move for him then. You know, it was during a similar, just a year after, I think, we signed Pepe. So, um, you know, we were stocked. But they'd been, you know, they clearly had interest. They clearly scouted him. If he is moving, and Arsenal look at that as an opportunity where if, he's, he's, if he wants to leave Le- uh, Leeds, which he seemingly does, and you're going to move on Pepe, and, you know, you've got a player in Saka who can play right, he can play left. Rafinha has played on the left at times. He has even played a couple of games centrally. So, you know, you've got that versatility. They could work together, and we've got European football next season, so you're going to need to rotate. So it's not surprising that we would want, um, you know, someone like that. So, yeah, yeah I, I do. Uh, I also I, I do want to caveat by saying, you know, when we say we think that the, a link's not true or that, we're not necessarily saying that what the, the information reported is a lie. And as Harry mentioned a second ago, it's about the information that they that, that, an, uh, that has been, you know, posted that has been dropped down to that person that's reported that. As we've said, you can get bad information. And what we mean by bad information is sometimes where information is allegedly leaked to help with a, a contract negotiation, for instance, from a representative. So that, you know, that's what we mentioned when we're saying that we don't think this is necessarily true. Um, before we go on to questions from the chat box, I want to talk to you about two words, um, not actually words associated with, uh, in the sense of talking about others, but actually with ourselves. And those two words are clickbait, um, which obviously come up a lot. Have you ever been accused of clickbaiting on videos or on articles? And if you have, how do you feel about those accusations? And what would you say to the people that have accused you of it? I've been accused of it a few times. Um, I, I normally get accused of it during during yeah, sorry, the transfer. Clickbait window. is one word, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clickbait. Yes, for sure. Two words. Mate or one. Go on. I normally get accused of it. Not off, not too often, not as much as I think I will, um, mm. sort of when I put a video out. But I do get accused of it sometimes during the transfer windows. And what I always say to the people that listen or, or watch the show, um, the regulars that are sort of there week in, week out, is I always make a conscious effort if I don't think, like you do, a story is particularly credible to, to make sure I put that across in the actual content of what we're mm. doing. So, again, goes back to what we were saying earlier. Um, you know, actually check the content out before you get sucked in by the headline. The reality of the world is that there is so much football and Arsenal-related content out there that sometimes you have to push it a touch with your title for the algorithm mm. to pick you up, for the views to come in. And yeah. ultimately, like, I know it's not all about the views. Like, I'd rather do a good piece of content that got 1,000 views than a shit piece of content that got 10,000 views. Sure. I, and I genuinely do mean uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to continue you growing to your platform, it. yeah, you, you want people to see it. And, and when you put as much time and effort in as we do, you want people to see what you've done. You you want to get it out there in front of as many eyes as possible. So I just think it's, it's the nature of the beast. I think if, like in my situation, sometimes I do put a, a headline uh, on a video that I think maybe I'm kind of on the borders here of, yeah. of pushing it over, but I'll always try and pop a question mark in there or, yeah. or something that lightens it a little bit. I just think that it's just the way of the world. And, and if I can go into reading articles with an open mind, knowing that the title might be a little bit sensationalist, then I think that people can click on a video knowing that there's a risk that that might be the case as well. So um, I just think it's, it's the way you get pieces to stand out now and, I think there are some uh, outlets that do it to a completely different level, which is, in my opinion, wrong. Um, yeah. Because I think they they really do go as far as they possibly can and they know exactly what they're doing. I think if you're kind of on the cusp of it and you're playing with words because you, you need to, then yeah. I, I think that that's good. But if people want to criticise it, that's fine. It's it's their view, their opinion. I'll, I'll never, I won't sit and deny that I ever do it. I won't ever deny that some of the titles are on that border because ultimately you need to get it to people. What about you? I mean, um, your titles are quite more generic. I think um, when you do your new show, you put the names. I just put the name of the player. Yeah. 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 Um, Obviously for my writing, it's different. You know, when I'm writing for my job, it's different. Then I am using headlines, you know? Um, And I think actually it's been the reason why I bring it up because it's an opportunity to talk about it. It's actually something that I think I have struggled with the most um because i remember when i was younger you know reading through content i would be actively really angry and frustrated reading headlines then you know 
uh, it not necessarily being what I thought it was based upon what the headline was. And so that's why I think I've struggled with it because I've had to learn, you know, the art of, of headlines. Um, and it is an art and it is part of journalism is headlines. I try to talk to people. I've had people DM me saying, like, you know, I think that your last article's headline wasn't fair. Um, it was it was crossing the line. And I try to explain to them, like, for me, um, I, I don't lie in a headline. You know, that's what I aim to do is I aim never to lie with a headline. If I feel I've lied, you know, I will absolutely hold my hands up. I'll change it. I'll tweak it, whatever. And with videos as well, this goes for, you know, if I feel if yeah. I've lied in something, I will change it. But I always aim never to lie. The information that is in the headline, you know, is discussed and talked about within the content of the piece or of the video. But I always talk to people and say a headline is like a front cover of a book. You know, it's like, um, as they say, you know, it's a horrible phrase to use in this sense, but they say never judge a book by a cover. But the point that that exists is because a cover is designed to get your attention so that you can read the content that has been written inside it. And that's the same thing with what a headline of an article or a video is, is that it's designed to get your attention. And then what's discussed is the wider context of that. And often headlines will leave some bits of information out because obviously it won't like, like you know, a front cover of a book will. It won't tell you the whole story. A head, that's what a front cover of a book you is designed read it, to then, do. Would you, if you, if you, no, you wouldn't need exactly. to because that, exactly. the front cover's told you everything what's in it. So the point is, is that, you know, it's there to um, get you to pick up the book. It's get you there to, to watch the video. It's, it's there to to get you to read the article. And, you know, when you put, as you said, as much effort into a video or into an article or into a book, you know, you want people to read what you've got to say and what you've got to say about it. So I'm always welcome to people sending me a DM if they think that I've written something that's disingenuine. Um, I will always respond to, I had a really good conversation with, a, with uh, someone that did send me a DM saying they didn't like one of the headlines I put on an article the other day. And we had a really good conversation. In the end, they actually understood where I was coming from with it once I'd explained it. So, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, and I think that's that's certainly important to, to talk about. Um, <laughs> Ross says, Tom, stop waffling and get onto the Minkalipic Savage story. <laughs> so uh, I will abide by your, uh, your request, Ross. And for the last... Uh, 15 minutes of today's show we will take your questions and we'll start with this Milinkovic um Savage line now this comes from I believe I'd write about this morning so I should know where it comes from Correa della Sports uh in Italy have said that Arsenal have been supposedly willing to offer as much as 60 million euros which is about 51.3 million pounds in order to get it now it does tick one of my boxes. You know, it comes from an Italian outlet for a player that plays in Italy. It uses a figure, you know, that's not necessarily new information, but I still don't think it's true. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? So tell me your thoughts on it. Well, with this one, I mean, I, I really like uh, Milinkovic Savic, first yeah, of all. Yeah. I think he's a really, really good player. Um, I think he's brilliant. I'd love to see him at Arsenal. Yeah. But, the figure is based on what I know, roughly what is expected that um, Claudio Latito, the Lazio owner president, is is looking for, and really? and that's been that's oh. been a story that's been I going as well undervalued. You know, well, there's there's been talk in the last few months, sort of towards the back end of last season, that he was kind of coming to terms with the idea that Milinkovic Savic probably wants to move on mm. and that that sort of money is is around about the figure that Lazio would come to the table for. So I feel like that figure part has been plucked from previous stories. Um, that's my yeah. gut feel on this one. Top, top player though. Uh, love to see him come to Arsenal. Corriere della Sport, not, <laughs> not the most reliable of sources in my little book of sources. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it's one that, you know, we we know that we're looking at a centre midfielder. Um, I'd love to see him come, but I just I can't see it, man. I just can't see yeah. it. It's just the uh, the unrealistic nature of it. I just can't, uh, like, picture it. I can't imagine it happening, um, especially, you know, with the Tillemans deal being as advanced as that is. Why you'd then go and get Savage, who's, you know, similar in the sense that he's more of an offensive-minded central midfielder. Yes, he can do the other jobs, um, but like Tielemans is more focused on, you know, the, the final third of the pitch rather than the defensive third of the pitch. So it wouldn't make, in my mind, that much sense if we were going to go for both of them. Um, let's go through some more questions in the chat box. Let's go to Sko, who says, Tom and Harry, would you pay the money being asked for Rafinha 
or any wide forwards, to be honest, uh, which was around, I think, 50 to 60 million pounds, I think. You know, if you're going to get into the realms of Rafinha and uh, Serge Gnabry has been linked, Gakpo would be slightly less. Um, and there was one more that was linked today that's skipped my mind now. Um, but that kind of figure, the 50 million pound figure, do you think we would go that high for a wide forward in this window? Not without selling. Mm. Um, not so we got selling. 20 million for Pepe. Do you think we'd go 50 million? Yeah, then I then I think you you could see Arsenal go to 50 million mm. if they got something like 20 in for Pepe. Yeah, I think that's realistic. I think one of the, the things I, I kept saying repeatedly throughout the duration of last season was that although I love Bukayo Saka and I love Martinelli and I love Smith Rowe, when you actually compare their outputs to the rest of the league, they're, they're great for young players, but they don't really sit right at the top when it comes to the league's players overall, right? So, for example, yeah. I don't, know, I can't remember exactly how it finished up, but it was about a month before the season ended. And I looked at, like, Son's numbers, Mane's numbers, mm. uh, even Rafinha's numbers, Bowen's numbers, and they were better. And their players, obviously, at different stages of their career. But the point I'm trying to make is that while they're great young players, they're not quite at that level that we need them to be just yet. And I actually think that I'd quite like to see us bring in a wide forward. But I think what the club will be looking at and probably banking on is that Saka, Smith, Rowe and Martinelli will continue to improve and will be closer to that level next season than they were in the season just gone. I think they've made a decision to stick with those guys. Um, first and foremost. And I think they'll make an addition if they can. But I do think that the striker position, um, you know, and, uh, and and listen, we might lose Enketia still, you know, that that negotiation is still going on. So you could be in a position where you need more than one I'm forward. I'm pretty confident about that one. Um, Are you? Yeah, I am, I, I am. I think it will get done, but I mean, it's... it's I would say, without trying to stick my neck out too much on a thing after what we've just talked about. But, you know, I'd feel like next week, you, yeah, I'd be pretty confident we might see an announcement within the next couple of weeks at least. Um, yeah. Obviously, things change. I want to caveat that as always. But, yeah. you know, it just seems like one of those where – because basically from the kind of things that we've heard as I've discussed on the show in the mornings is that, you know, a lot of the Arsenal side of things we've been, have been on holiday. Um, a lot of the staff at the club have been on holiday. So whilst the negoti- negotiations going on with Nketiah, like the idea of an, announcing a 100 grand a week player um, – you know, there's there's a lot of media that goes with that. That at the moment the people weren't there, so you know they've got to wait for that. It sounds really. Strange, what do you think yeah. of of this Eddie and Ketty hundred grand a week thing? I don't know if we've spoken since it came. Yeah, out. we have a bit on other podcasts together. I think I think we talked about it with Dan and Lee and, and yeah, stuff. But, yeah, you're right, um, yeah. I I always say that if a player delivers, I never talk about how much they cost or how much we pay them. You know, it just never comes up. You only talk about how much a player costs or how much we're paying them when they're not performing. That's the only time you talk about the finances of a deal. You know, if Pepe would smashed it, we'd never have mentioned that seventy-two million pound again. But because he didn't, it's all we talked about. So look, if if Eddie comes in and smashes it, you know, and scores in every game he plays or every other game, I think he's, you know, want to be realistic, every other game or so that he plays, you know, I'm never going to complain about us paying him that amount of money. My issue is, is if this, what we've paid him, ends up preventing us from going for a a better player than him that we could have got and we don't, and then it costs us, you know. Arteta's wanted him for a long time. You know, all he's talked about with Nketiah is I want him to stay. I want him to stay. We need to renew him. So he clearly sees something, you know, that he must. And to be fair, in those last eight starts when he scored five goals, I think we saw something too, that, that you know, the potential that he's got. But yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the manager making that kind of call, I tell you. If I was the manager, I wouldn't have been brave enough to offer 100 grand a week to Nketiah. So, yeah. And, and it just feels like another thing that the kind of, the big Arteta critics, and I'm not talking about people that are unsure. I'm talking about people that just will not give him the time of day. Potsy, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> prime example. Um, that's one of the ones that 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 Dan Potts will be uh, writing down mm-hmm. on a little piece of paper, putting in his back pocket, yeah. and pulling out at some point in the season if, <laughs> if the goals drive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Our oh, next sure. live show, you watch him get out a little bit of paper. He's gonna, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm gonna send him uh, some of these, some of these post it notes. I think he can do that. Love, love you, Potsy. I hope you enjoyed your holiday in Croatia. Uh, James says, When will Saka's contract negotiations take place? No chance we sign a wide forward without getting that done. This is interesting because, um, 
obviously we've we've heard a lot about this, haven't we, over the last sort of few days? What is the situation with Saka's being linked with City, being linked with Liverpool? Um, you know, those links never really felt massively credible to mm. me at this moment in time. I think for me, the Saka thing, as I sort of said on on my show, was that this is the this is the kind of the showing itself of a problem that I envisage us having in 12 months time, but isn't a massive problem today. Um, so it's about Arsenal now being proactive and trying to get something done. But equally, it's not all in Arsenal's hands because obviously these contracts till 2023, there's that year to uh, option to extend it to 2024. So really it's 2024. Mm. Now, Bakayo Saka, in my opinion, if I were him, I'd be looking at it and I'd go, you know what, after, I'd, well, I still got a couple of years on my contract, technically. So why would I make this decision now? Let me have another season. Let's see how mm. this team is moving forward. If we continue to show progress, I'm actually confident that Bukayo Saka values playing for Arsenal and likes playing for Arsenal and wants to stay. Mm. But I also understand why a player with the, the the talent that he does on the trajectory that he is on might say, okay, well, this is not a really... It's not like the contract expires at the end of next season for it to be a really urgent issue. It's urgent to Arsenal, but it's not urgent to Saka. And I think that if he's being advised properly from his own perspective, he'll probably... he Or he would be wise to hold fire on signing a new deal at Arsenal. The only other thing, though, is that obviously his pay right now doesn't reflect probably mm. what his role is in the squad. And so... Would you sacrifice getting that pay bump, um, you know, in the short term to be able to choose your own destiny a year down the line? Or or is it about the money? And, and do you think that you need to get that money in through the door now? Because Arsenal are not going to give him a pay rise without extending that contract. Mm. So that's the card that they hold here. Um, but I, I think that Arsenal will be desperate to try and, and conclude this or not conclude it because a contract never means you're going to stay there forever. But... I think that they'll be um, they'll be looking to protect themselves against the potential of losing him on a free a couple of years down the line or for a nominal fee. I mean, what, yeah. what do you think on it? Yeah, look, I think that I think he will resign this summer. I think you know it's it's up there with one of our top two, if not top one, priorities for the win, uh, for this window is to get him that new contract. Um, I just think it's it's different to the Van Persies, the Nasries, the Fabregas's of this world. You know, there's that attached attachment to the club coming through the academy. You know living in in north london you know it's, it's he's come through this area he knows it he knows the club and he knows how beloved, like loved he is um and what he could build at arsenal as a career and i think that he values that so no I, i'm not concerned um but i don't i agree that i don't think we'll sign a wide forward really one until pepe's gone and possibly with the contract. But I think more so it's to do with Pepe than it is Saka's contract. Um, let's go to RD, who says, uh, do you think we need to add a right back? Are we losing Spence to Spurs too easily? I don't really know how I feel about Jed Spence. I've got to be honest. Um, mm. <laughs> I've seen a few performances in the FA Cup where he's looked incredible. I've spoken to to a colleague of mine who's a big Forest fan who says that he can be quite up and down. I spoke to another colleague of mine who's a Middlesbrough fan who said they cannot believe their eyes. They cannot believe what they're seeing at Forest because he just didn't look anywhere near that level at Middlesbrough. So it's one of those where I feel like he, he kind of put himself in the shop window with a few really strong performances. And I think his value has been inflated as a result of that. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't got potential to go on and be a good player. He, he does. He's got particularly the physical attributes to be a real powerhouse coming up and down that right hand side. But it's not one that I'm like heart set on. And so if we miss out on it, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, if that makes sense. Mm. Do we need to add a right back? In an ideal world, yeah. Um, yeah. We've heard this summer already, haven't we, that Arsenal are, are quite happy with um, with uh, Cedric as a backup option. So then you've yeah. got Tommy Asu. You've got Brooke Norton Cuffey, who's going to come back at, at, as well. And, you know, when he'll be involved in the team remains to be seen, but clearly has a lot of potential and clearly someone we have high hopes for. Mm. And then now with Saliba coming back, you've also got that option, if you're really desperate, of moving Ben White out there. So, mm. Or Saliba, who has played Yeah, or, or Saliba, exactly. So it's not, it's not something that I would say isn't a need. But again, going back to what I said before, is it in my 
top list of priorities. It probably isn't. And, mm. and, and on that basis, I'm not going to lose any sleep over Jed Spence going to Spurs, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. You? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, the, I won't lose sleep about us missing out on him. I think he could succeed quite well at Spurs in that right wing back position because I think it will accentuate, you know, his, what he's good at. You know, defensively, whilst he, he pocketed Gabriel Martinez, don't get me wrong, you know, his attributes are certainly leaned towards what he can do in the offensive third. So the yeah. wing back position, I think, and I think he could be better than what Emerson is, but that isn't really that tricky to achieve in fairness. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting signing, but I wouldn't mind if they make another right back signing after a, they've signed two right back like that'll be a third right back in three years with it not Doherty and then uh Emerson and now Spence so yeah I don't mind them keep spending the money on the same position it's fine but I am excited by Brooke Norton Cuffey as well but there's always going to be that risk that we are building up this guy by talking about him and you know it's there's always a danger with that but we'll have to wait and see yeah. uh last uh question of the show sorry that we couldn't get through more guys um I know there's loads of you that are throwing in questions and thank you so much for watching we hope you've enjoyed it and drop a like on the video indeed if you have and subscribe to both TGT and the Chronicles of Aguna. But we finish off the show with this question from Ed, uh, who says, as a club, have we been mediocre for so long that we have to market ourselves as a two-year place to grow before moving to places like Barca and Madrid with a young star to get them on board? And what I will add to this is I remember a comment from Frankie de Jong when he was at Ajax, who actually talked about Arsenal as a bit of a stopgap. And he said he kind of saw his career going from Ajax to Arsenal to Barca. And when the opportunity to go straight to Barca presented itself, he jumped at the chance. So do you think there is an element of truth that Arsenal, not that they have to market themselves, although that is what Ed is asking, but do you think there's an element of truth that that is how some players clearly do view us? Yeah, um, I think they do because we're not competing right at the top table at the moment. And Mm. so... We're a big football club where there's a lot of pressure and it almost is the perfect environment in which to condition yourself before going on to a Barcelona or Real Madrid where you're expected, you know, maybe not the Barcelona of last year, but you know what I'm saying, mm. generally speaking. Um, so, yeah, it, it does it does feel like people will view us in that way. And you've got to remember when people are looking from the outside, they're not Arsenal fans. They don't care about the history, the tradition of the club. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is um, their careers and what it means for them. So, yeah, it is a problem. I would always say get them in the door first and then worry about how you're going to keep them afterwards. And so if that is kind of the narrative that we have to sell a little bit or kind of the way we have to position ourselves uh, to get certain deals done, then, uh, then I'm okay with that. Because then once you've got them in the door, which is the hardest part, it's then about showing yourselves to be on the same trajectory that that player wishes to be on. And if you can do that, and, and they enjoy playing for the club and they enjoy the teammates and the manager and, you know, everything that comes with being an Arsenal star, then great. You know, you're in a much better position to keep them. If you don't keep them well, you brought them in and you got some benefit out of them while they were building their careers as well. And, and if you do things right, you'll be compensated handsomely for losing them to the bigger clubs, if that's what you want to call them. So yeah. I think that, yeah, get them in the door, whatever it takes to get them in the door would be my approach. And then you worry about the keeping hold of them part afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's that's how yeah. I would look at it. I remember I had a debate with Terry from uh, the, the football terrace a, f- a couple of years, two, three years ago now, about Erling Haaland joining Manchester United. And I said Man United were insane not to have signed him when they could have done for Red Bull Salzburg. And, you know, the counter argument was that he didn't want to be a Borussia Dortmund. Man, you didn't want Man United to be a club that would lose him in two years. And I think that, you know, had he have been at Man United, even with a release clause, I don't think they would have seen him go into their city rivals. You know, you would have had two years of him building up that connection with Man United as a club. He may have even decided to go differently had that direction of Man United been that in two years from having Haaland, it propelled them into the Champions League or into a title race. Maybe if he wouldn't have signed a, maybe he even would have signed a contract extension. Who knows? So it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to be looked at as a club that that young, really exciting top talent can come to to then further their careers that they then may leave. It's part and parcel of football. You know, you look at Raheem Sterling going from Liverpool to Manchester City. You know, you look at other players, Eden Hazard going from Chelsea to to Real Madrid. Look at what Chelsea got out of Eden Hazard while he was there. I know he was there for a longer period of time, 
but still. And then the money they got at the end of that, you know, over a hundred million Liverpool with Coutinho going to, to Barcelona. So it is part of and parcel of what this is. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if Arsenal can get hold of, of players of that level of talent and then they have to say goodbye to them, but for a ridiculously good fee. And let's be honest, we need to sell some players for some decent fees soon because yeah, we've been exactly. pretty poor at that of late as well. Uh, we'll finish the show with Luke Morris and Super Chat. Uh, Rams have just made Aaron Donald highest paid player in NFL history outside of what quarterbacks get. Cronkies have got the money for Gnabry, Ozimen, and paying Saka as well. The Cronkies have chosen the Rams over us instead. Look, there is no, there's no one putting the wool over my eyes that the Rams are KSE's golden, you know, plaything. That they absolutely are. Um, so it's a very valid criticism of KSE. You know that Arsenal, if you're going to own Arsenal, that you're not, you know, you don't consider them, you don't consider us the priority. That is absolutely a problem. But at the same time, I do look at what we've spent, you know, in the last five years. I don't have that much of a, you know, a problem with how much we've spent in the last decade, which has been near a billion pounds. You know, I have a problem with how we've spent it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and we got to stop comparing. Like, it's two totally different sports. Yeah. In two totally different sporting cultures. Um, that's another thing. You know, we can't be obsessed with what the Rams are doing. I mean, Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of KSE and, and I still, even when they do spend money and when the club spend money, I still always have this nagging thing in the back of my mind. Can we actually get back to where we want to be as a fan base with them at the helm? It's still a question for me and it always will be until we go on and achieve that. Which hopefully we do. Mm. But I, I don't often get drawn into these comparisons between the Rams and Arsenal. They're two, two totally different things in totally different sports, in totally different landscapes. And and I just think we got to focus on what we're doing. If if you wanted to flip that and, you know, mm. reverse it, and I'm not saying that you, you this should be taken in this way, but you could make the case that the fact that the Rams are successful tells you that actually... KSC we have good do, do have a stomach for, <laughs> for success and, and do actually oh. want success. And, yeah. you know, so you can argue it that, well, the Rams oh, is their yeah. golden child. So they're only going to pump money into the Rams and they only care about that. The flip side of that is they're proving that they can win. So, you know, there's, there's two sides to this. Again, not their biggest fans. Uh, they've still got a lot of convincing to do mm. for me. But as you yeah. said, they've spent money. So we can't really moan about the money. It, if you're going to say the money's been spent badly, it's a different argument and one that I, I actually probably agree with. Um, yeah, I do. Um, Peeny, thank you so much for the kind donation. He says that's uh, that's 50p to both of us. Or actually, he said 25p because of, you know, tax and YouTube, what they take away from it. So, <laughs> so I'll it make even sure 25p I take... with what you It might not even be 25p, you know, at this stage. But I'll make sure when I see Harry to, to take 25p off his next round. So uh, thanks for that, Peeny. Much appreciated. Uh, speaking of which, Harry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Really good chat for the last hour about transfers. We hope you've enjoyed it in the chat box. But appreciate your time, mate. No, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. And um, sorry to everyone that we haven't done this for a little while. It's just, yeah, it's been a bit crazy. But um, we'll, as we always say, we'll we'll continue to try and make them happen as as often as possible. But thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Always, and tell people where they'll be able to find the next one, of course. Yes, uh, head over to the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. You can find it on all major podcast stores as well. And you can follow me on Twitter at Harry Simi. I normally tweet most things that I do. Uh, so yeah. Check me out. Cheers. Lovely stuff. You'll be able to find Harry's channel in the link in the description. Make sure you go and check that one out. If you aren't already subscribed over here and to Harry's channel, make sure that you do. Uh, I'll be back uh, tomorrow afternoon. No 8 a.m. show, I'm afraid, as I said. Uh, what? I am, what? Oh, no. Slacking, I, Tom. There's, uh, I, I'm at a gig in London tonight, so I'm having, I'm, I'm enjoying my day off. Uh, <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. Hence the, uh, the rather out there t-shirt today so someone uh, was saying earlier in the chat that you're wearing a love island t-shirt oh yeah to be fair the reason why they've said that is because i've done sophie's summer series where i had to admit my guilty pleasure is love island i'm sure that you're a bit of a a fan of it are you not no you and the missus sit down and watch it no 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 no. um (laughs) we uh, we did a couple of years ago we did uh, not not the yeah. last one, the one before we watched it. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was a the bit. Tommy Fury one was that, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then like when it came Same on last knowledge. time. <laughs> there you go. When it came on the last time, so not the series that's on now, the the one previous. A mate of mine actually, who's really anti it, like just because he's 
like it's boring and he doesn't yeah. want anything that isn't like <laughs> educational. He said to me, if you sit down and calculate how many hours you spent watching Love Island mm. for an entire series, mm. think about what you could do with that time. And ever since he said that to me, I thought, yeah, you know what? That's a, that's a really good point. But equally, about a lot of things like, you can, you know. but equally I've done nothing uh, productive with those extra hours. So I probably. Should <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I find it hilarious. I think it's so funny. I just find it so incredibly funny. Um, and if, you know, if... I, I can't stand. And look, I love Danny from Burkett Wonderland. <laughs> I really do. But I, I love his vitriolic hatred. Of, he hates of it, Love Before, Just before we go, <laughs> yeah. have you ever, yeah. uh, have you ever pulled the girl for a chat? Well, seeing as I've been in a relationship for 10 years, you know, I've, okay, so, I've never, yeah. So your missus, did you, did you go over and say, over to her and say, can I pull you for a chat? Yeah. Went over to the fire pit. Uh, <laughs> is that a thing now? Like, is that how people approach it? I think so. I, I mean, I'm, I'm out in London tonight, so I'll have to see if anyone pulls someone for a chat. <laughs> I'll see if I spot it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll have a wait and see. Uh, no, if you do enjoy Love Island, great. If you don't, great. You're entitled to do what you want. Uh, do indeed watch or don't watch whatever you like. But uh, make sure that you are watching TGT and the Chronicles of Aguna most of all. We will see you very, very soon. Thank you for joining us. And as always, up the Arsenal. <laughs>as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.